Hello everyone and welcome to NTFW FCTC1STURP Netflix's Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy Chapter 1 Siege of the Unofficial Recap Podcast, a subsidiary of the Can We Talk About Podcast. I nearly drained my spark trying to keep myself hidden. I am Joe. Explode my brain, I dare you. I'm Kristen. Kristen, we are on episode 5 and there's a lot of things going on Things like brain exploding and they got hiding. They one more episode to wrap all this up. Uh, are you starting to feel it now, Kristen? Are you feeling the heat of like, oh no, there's only one episode left? Not the same way that I used to for like other like multi-part things in Transformers or, you know, to a lesser extent in Gem of like, oh geez, oh God, <laughs> you guys have so many things you still need to address. But I guess a lot happens in this episode, and what happens is a lot of different plans are carried out, and a lot of different people are like, fuck, that went wrong. I got really big vibes of, there's a thing that happens that's pointed out in the Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace Plinkert Review, a very popular internet thing, Mm -hmm. where at the end of the movie, there's like four separate plot lines going on and there's a lot of cutting between them. Yes. And this episode felt like to me, there's like five separate teams, which necessitated two separate girl Transformers that I don't think we've seen before just being thrown out there because Chromia and Alita are busy doing yeah, other shit. They're just like, well, the, all these teams need at least one woman. So let's just slap another copy of Alita in there. And... I felt like there was a lot of jumping between things that were happening to the point where I had, by the time we got back to Mirage, after he did his Mirage thing, I was like, oh, fuck, they're still at the space bridge. Yeah. I feel like I have a fundamental misunderstanding of what they think the word in unison means. <laughs> but I guess we'll talk I, about that. Boy, that's that's a plan that we will, we will get there when we get there. Uh-huh. The naming conventions. Let's get to this thing that I automatically feel just like went down in flames because I decided to call episode two the traitor. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. You've committed to the bit, Joe. Keep going with this thing you came up with. A lot of Jetfire stuff in this episode. So instead of Jetfire being the traitor, he's going to be the atoner. Hmm. How about that? I'm not sure about taking the word atone and turning it into a label. Atoner. He's running out of ink in his printer yeah, cartridge. I was just going to say, <laughs> we had to go get Jetfire because uh, my printer's running out of ink. There's a lot of things where I feel like we could still follow the Seinfeld naming convention with like calling this the Sea of Rust uh-huh. or something like that. But no, Kristen, committing to the bit, each episode is after a character sure. in this series, even though I feel like the scavenger doesn't really fit Bumblebee at this point anymore either. Also, I mean, they're, I'm not sure who else I could have named this episode after as well, because like, could have called it The Scientist for Shockwave and they could have played the Coldplay song anytime he was on screen, maybe? Oh, this is great. What? tune of a Coldplay song is playing in my head and is it actually the scientist or is it a different <laughs> Coldplay song? All right, let's try it. Lights will guide you home. Oh, that's fix you. The words are li- literally not Oh, you're right. Okay, no, okay. That's that's close. That's 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 close. That's mm-hmm. close enough. Um no, I can't think of what the scientist sounds like. All I remember is the music video is all like uh I forget if it's God, I almost called him Chris Noth. I can't remember the name of the guy. Chris Martin is the yes, Coldplay guy? Yes, he is. Okay, Chris Noth is the guy who's not Vincent D'Onofrio on Law and Order Criminal Intent. Fantastic. And also a guy in Sex and the City, I believe. Right. Mr. Big, I want to say. Never seen Sex and the City, Just by the way. Just make the point, Joe, please. 
walking backwards the entire time. And it, and it starts, uh, I believe, all leads back to a car crash, and it's very sad. It's a very sad music video. I don't know why, but I assume that you were just going to describe the music video uh, by Coldplay for Speed of Sound, which I remember <laughs> there being a lot of uh, tube lights in that. A lot of, a lot of colors. Right yeah. around the time when we were watching a lot of VH1. <laughs> Boy, let's, Speed of Sound was the song that I was like, I think I like these guys. Yeah. You know what I was thinking of recently, Joe? Vertigo by U2. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Kristen, what made you think of the seminal U2 album, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, featuring such songs as Vertigo and I Don't Remember What Else? I don't know what else either. For the record, I did also know the name of that album. So thanks for sniping <laughs> I, that. I remember the jewel case had, like, you know how a CD jewel case has, like, a ridged fucking thing on the one side? Yes. I remember that one being just, like, flat black. And that's what I remember about the seminal U2 album. How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. Man, they've always been great with album distribution, haven't they? Woo, Kristen, timely joke. we gotta fucking talk about this series. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I was the one who told us to fucking focus up before we started recording. Episode 5 here. We start with Soundwave, checking some screens here. Apparently Laserbeak. Now, they don't mention Laserbeak, but I assume that Laserbeak is the one who got him a lot of this, like, cool signal data or whatever that he's reporting to Megatron. Because he was sent out doing bird stuff before. There's another bird in this episode. We even got to learn that bird's name. There's so many birds in this episode, Kristen, because we'll get there okay. either way. <laughs> he reports on the Alpha Trion protocols here, and Megatron doesn't, like, name drop them or anything, but he realizes, okay, so if some transmission with a bunch of shit from Alpha Trion is out there. We can't let the Autobots get it. It's probably bad if that happens. I don't know why it was not already bad that Ultra Magnus had those to begin with when he was working <laughs> with the Autobots the entire time. But whatever. <laughs> we have some angel and devil on shoulders of big buff Megatron here. His angel wave and his devil wave. <laughs> I love it. So Shockwave just kind of, you know, casually like, oh, I can get, you know, my super virus out of the closet i guess that can wipe out all transmitters on the planet i guess Megatron's like i don't even want to know why you were working on that in the first place but yeah tell me a little bit more about it so Kristen, this virus that shockwave just has laying around underneath his his christmas decorations something he is whipped up in, uh, over a weekend a virus that will destroy all processors and mainframes containing autobot code on cybertron but the kicker is Kristen. Most of these mainframes that have Autobot code are also being used by the Decepticons. Yeah, so they're basically saying, like, if you could look at a city and attribute to, like, the functionality of each building to, oh, well, the Autobots built that, so that has Autobot code in it. Decepticons are using it now, but when we send out this virus, that will also be shut down. But theoretically, so will wherever the Alpha uh, Trion protocols are bouncing to. And Soundwave says flatly, like, straight up to Megatron, if you do this, it will fuck up the infrastructure of the planet. He gets that in, like, twice. He's like, uh, by the way, I don't think that's a great idea. So, yeah, Angel Wave here just saying, not a great idea. Devil Wave being like, I mean, it'll get rid of the code. Megatron is like, you, you sure? And Shockwave's like, yes. So he's like, okay, let's do it. And Kristen... Strung up behind them this entire time while they're having this conversation is the lifeless corpse of Ultra Magnus. I love the weird weekend at Bernie's. Weekend with Bernie's? Weekend at Bernie's. Okay. <laughs> I love, it's not necessarily a weekend at Bernie's sort of thing, but they just kind of have him hanging up in a creepy way this whole last episode looking scary as hell. Again, I think that Shockwave just gets bored. 
Well, as we find out from a character later in this episode, he just does whatever the fuck he wants, it seems like. Yep. That leads us into the intro here. We join Jetfire meeting with the Autobots in the arc here. And he's in a tiny cage, or he's in a normal-sized cage, but he's super big. <laughs> I think that this is just the normal, like, holding cell. I bet they had to, like, pull Prowl aside. Like, can you build, like, a really big holding cell, like, really quickly so we don't look like assholes here? <laughs> and Jetfire apparently just uh, scooted himself on in there. He's not hurt anymore. No, he's fine, I that guess. That I find a little bit strange. Like, he was on... Maybe not on the verge of death, but he was pretty fucked up there. That didn't occur to his his ass healed. He, he's got a <laughs> Wolverine healing in his ass. <laughs> Red alert just gave him his butt a little rub him. <laughs> a nice nice bit of nice bit of ass cream for him. <laughs> a shiatsu massage. Get it? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, Kristen. Lowbrow humor like that on this podcast. How dare you? I can't help it. Quarantine has made my brain rot even more. So Jetfire says he's sorry, and then, you know, Autobots, you probably think I'm dumb for coming here, and both Prowl and Ironhide are like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, that's right, that's exactly correct, actually. Yeah, we have a, a lot of just kind of back and forth in this scene of Jetfire being like, I want to be an Autobot, and then being like, not sure about that. <laughs> like, we don't get our um, extremely good reason for them to accept Jetfire's help until, like, the next scene or something. Um, you have in your notes, and I agree with this, Ironhide doesn't sound like Ironhide? No, he sounds like he has the same voice as Asswife, almost, <laughs> like, in my, yeah. like, in my mind. They haven't shared screen time together, so I wonder if they just had Asswipe's model there, and they were like, oh, wait, no, he's at the space bridge, put Ironhide in there. It didn't even occur to me that that was him in the scene until I read your notes, which is, like, you know how I recognized him before, because he was big and red in his voice. <laughs> And now if he's only big and red, he could be anybody, especially with all the recolors running around. Literally anyone. Jetfire wants to be an Autobot. That's basically what it boils down to here. And Alita, you know, asks why. And Jetfire, even though we know all of this at this point, the disillusionment, Mm -hmm. not on board with genocide, etc., etc. For not to do a genocide. He ends it with, you don't have to like me, but you have to believe me. He has some kind of messiah complex going on where he wants to save all these dumb little idiots. So we get to Wheeljack, who I say makes a very Italian comment here as he's talking to Bumblebee. And he's just like, you think you know a guy? Uh, it comes back with half <laughs> the fucking you know, knowledge of the universe in his brain. <laughs> and Bumblebee is uh, back to a little bit of character beat going. I, I never asked for this. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Adam Jensen over here. Jeez. So Kristen Cog is okay. He's oh! fine. Hey, bud. Remember him? What about all those guys who were on those spikes? (laughs) Bumblebee still dismissing his notion of being worthy, whatever, as Cog's like, yo, you were chosen. You're great. And he finally... I say that Bumblebee... Some kind of big round hologram map. And it turns out Bumblebee doesn't exactly know where the Allspark is, but he has a system that tells him where the Allspark can go, and then Wheeljack has a system that... We'll, we'll know based on that map where the Allspark can't go, and that's how they triangulate it. Yeah, it's called process of elimination. Duh. <laughs> One thing that they kind of gloss over but seems pretty important uh, is that it seems like the Allspark, like, disappears and reappears periodically in different places. Yeah, like it's a fucking wandering Pokemon, almost. Like, you're trying to, you just go back, back and forth between routes trying to catch Suicune. I was going to say, I'm trying to find Entei. Where's Entei? <laughs> I like what happens here where Optimus, Alita, and Prowl all walk in still discussing about 
trusting Jetfire, and Optimus asks Wheeljack, hey, did you find the Allspark yet? And Optimus is just like, 15 seconds too early here for Wheeljack <laughs> to answer this question immediately. At first it seems like Wheeljack is going to be like, uh, no, not really, but then he just kind of like takes his fists and pounds a few keys on the keyboard like, come on! Okay, yeah, I do have it, come here. Turns out, Kristen, the Allspark is in the Sea of Rust, and to show that this is bad news, Alita goes, okay, let's wait for it to move. <laughs> Joe, you know, when you first heard Sea of Rust, do you have any context for this place? Um, I feel like I watched a, the Transformers, the Basics episode about something similar to this, maybe? I, I think it's a, it's a comics thing, I want to say. I'm not certain. Okay. Just in general, hearing this and then being like, whoa, I was like, this sounds like a place where there's a bunch of dead robots. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah, I was right. And it all, it's also got metal tornadoes and shit. I guess there's not actually, instead of wind, there's metal <laughs> on Cybertron. Whoa, metal winds. Sounds like a cool album. <laughs> Kristen, Optimus reveals his plan at this point where he tells Alita, no, no, we cannot wait because we need three things to happen at the exact same time, which I don't know how the fuck everybody's going to get on the same page for where Optimus says they need to obtain the AllSpark. Even Step when their one. phones are working, they can't communicate. <laughs> Activate the space bridge. Uh-huh. And also launch the Ark so it can go into space. All three of these basically at the same time, presumably with a bunch of people in different areas, unless activating the AllSpark is something they could do on the Ark in front of the space bridge. Yeah, so by the next scene, one of those things is already done, and it's just waiting for the other two. This plan, uh, obviously it sounded stupid to me, so it sounded extra stupid to Alita, who... They don't even have extra information on this yet that makes them decide, okay, let's go through with it. She's like, no! How the fuck are we even supposed to do two of those things, let alone all three at once? And Optimus is like, um, uh, we'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, what if we just wing it? And Cog also is like, hey, no Autobot has ever come back from the Sea of Rust, so I think maybe we should wait. That might be nice, actually. But uh, Big Brain Bumblebee, BB stands for Big Brain, tells us that Decepticons have come back from the Sea of Rust. Um, he knew a, uh, he had a scavenger boyfriend named Dreadwing, who used to be a seeker. And apparently they were like, yeah, we mapped that shit forever ago. I thought that in my mind, I was like, oh man, we're going to meet Dreadwing. And because they have Jetfire here, Jetfire will convince Dreadwing to give up the map. But no, Jetfire just knows. Yeah, no, how... we don't have time for that, Joe. <laughs> Jetfire just knows how the Sea of Rust is, is mapped. So we're not He's adding got in. He's a computer brain. It's fine. I mean, to be fair, that'd be very similar to we need a, somebody to fix a space bridge. Let's go get Ratchet. So yeah. But uh-oh, it turns out maybe we it's really convenient that a seeker just crashed in our front lawn and is begging to help us. Alita does a big old sigh here, and we cut to Impactor and Ratchet as the space bridge is all space bridged up here. We still have zero clue what's going on with Impactor and if we are just trusting him now. We don't really get any clues this episode either, though. No. No, because no, there's very like, little that goes on with the space bridge crew. Yo, mark my words, either Impactor is going to die or he's going to end up in Earth with them. Wow, two options. So he's not going to betray them, is what you're saying. Those are my two things I'm feeling the most. So he's an Autobot in both scenarios. Well, no, because they have to um, knight him, like the queen. Oh. 
there's a whole ceremony, Joe. You don't just put a sticker on your chest. That would be crazy. Optimus picks up Alita and uses her as a scepter to hit the shoulder of each Autobot to knight them. It's been a while since we've had a talk about the HR department in Autobots headquarters, and picking up a woman to knight another person (laughs) is definitely something that we got to talk to. Was it Mirage as head of HR? Yes, he is head of HR. My original thought was Wheeljack, but I was like, no, Optimus would definitely use Alita. Yeah, he would. I mean, she's so thin and long and lady-shaped. They still need to make sure the space bridge can turn on here, and... Chromia notes, hey, if you do that, every seeker in eternity is going to come. And Ratchet goes, too late! And pushes the button. (laughs) I'm already doing it! (laughs) And starts it up here. And Kristen, isn't it a really nice thing that as soon as the seekers start coming by, Mirage is just like, well, if I was here on this mission for a reason... Maybe this is that reason. And he just puts his Maybe hand on the Maybe they should tell ground. you why you're on missions before <laughs> they send you on them. I don't like this weird cryptic find your purpose system that the Autobots work under. I do feel like this does imply that Mirage did not, like, this wasn't part of the plan until it needed to be. And it wasn't like in the back of Mirage's mind or anything that I'm going to need to go even further beyond Super Saiyan 3, Big Mirage here or something. I don't know. So he starts to feel the pulse of the earth or whatever. Um, and he cloaks the whole ding-dang thing and all of them. And the sound the space bridge makes, apparently. <laughs> it's not going woo anymore. <laughs> and Kristen, wouldn't you know it, because of this, we avoid a robot fight, which I'm happy about, because I think we were low on the end of robot fights this episode, which I'm That's fine true. with. It wasn't too, too bad. Um, we do get some cool desert lightning tornado action, which I... Would you believe I'm not the biggest fan of? At least Man vs. Nature is a new development. At least it's different? Yeah, sure. So we cut to Kristen. Ultra Magnus' corpse is all hooked up to a bunch of wires and shit now, and he's got... He's uh, looking all spooky, all hung up on the ceiling. Got a bunch of fucking pink virus veins going all over him. It's all hung up looking freaky. I like it. It's, it seems to be for aesthetic purposes. Shockwave's very into aesthetic. Megatron notes that it's poetic. That Magnus will now assist in the total destruction of the Autobots, and a big old purple energy wave flies out from the Deceptodome as we... Wait, (laughs) I have a question. Yes. If they can access his brain when he's dead, like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Kristen, I'm not willing to ask questions about how they use him as a conduit for this virus. I'm just, it's Cybertronian science, which is akin to magic. Okay, I'm sorry, that just occurred to me and I got upset. <laughs> we cut back to the arc here where Jetfire is brought into the room and is just like, oh yeah, we mapped out the Sea of Rust like a bunch a while ago, man. You should let me come. You should let me come. Um, and then we have a weird discussion about <laughs> police abuse of power. Jetfire notes to Prowl, hey, you were a cop on this area that I didn't write down, right? Didn't you guys do... Uh, core overrides there and everyone now Kristen this is once again I feel like this I understand that you need people to go what to explain what's going on but I feel uh-huh. like maybe because it, he, he says oh it was a dark chapter in Praxis history or wherever it was that you know trying to keep it on the down low that Prowl being a cop put a brain explody into the heads of prisoners to make sure that they didn't fucking revolt yeah it seems like Prowl participated in the murder of incarcerated individuals. <laughs> uh, I, my mind likened it to a bomb collar, like you have in Dead Money. Yeah, everyone's uh, has a suitable reaction of like, "I'm sorry, you did what?" 
like not necessarily like an accusatory way, but like, uh, yeah, and that's why Prowl's like, I don't really talk about that because it wasn't great. And Jetfire's like, do that. Put the bomb in my brain. Do that so you guys know that you can trust me. And the cherry on top of all of this is Prowl just mumbling. It's a quick procedure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> apparently so quick they don't need to show us. <laughs> Alita doesn't like it, and Kristen, this is where I note, has Alita liked any of the plans so far? Oh, that's her personality trait. She just dislikes everything. (laughs) She's not on board with trusting Jetfire. She's not on board with putting a bomb in his brain. She's not on board with bringing Bumblebee back to the ark. What is she into? (laughs) God, picky. She wants to fucking sip a mimosa on the beach. That's what she wants, but she can't get that when there's a war going on. It's a really great person to have in charge of your military. Oh, but she is like, okay, we'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Wheeljack also thinks that this conversation is a good time to bring up that they also need a bunch of raw energon to fly the Ark here, that they still need that. Please don't forget that, yeah, there's uh, still other stuff we need in order to make this shit work. Um, But Bumblebee is like, I can help you there. I know a guy. And Alita goes, okay, cool, a Decepticon. And Bumblebee goes, no. Eh, Kind of yes, kind of no. (laughs) And Alita's like, I don't like this, as she is wont to do. And I don't want you bartering with some fucking scavenger who's even more dangerous than a Decepticon. In your words! And Bumblebee and Bumblebee's like, no, oh, no, no, don't worry. We're going to steal from him. <laughs> <laughs> and Alita, I think at that point, is just like, whatever. We, we need to leave. That's fine. I feel like we definitely get at least one, if not two shots of just Alita going, <sighs> this episode. <laughs> there is a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, Kristen, we cut to Bumblebee's action team here, which is consists of himself, a newly healed cog, and mm. R.C., who... She's just there now. Was she in a background shot in the first episode or something? Couldn't tell you, Joe. That's your kind of thing <laughs> that you should notice. I feel it's very odd to just have R.C. show up. It's just a bunch of identical lady robots. Who cares? Whatever. And I know that I said, like, that we needed more because the teams are so spread out this episode that there's, like, six different teams doing things that they needed to fill out the ranks. Like, RC is, for all intents and purposes, like, a, a unique character model, too. hmm I mean, I think she's got the same hip-swaying walking animation that Alita does. But, yes, she like... Does. See, maybe they should have... So with Moonracer, they gave her, like, a kind of weird, subtle British accent. Maybe they should have made RC sound Australian. Oh, wow. I was going to say maybe they should have just gotten Susan Blue. That would have been fun. That also would have been different. I would have liked to have seen Stormer the Transformer. Whoa, wait a minute. Wow, Transformer. (laughs) That's something different, Kristen. (laughs) I still love it either way. That's great. And Kristen, the action team here is Action League Now is going to see Sound Blaster. Now, Kristen, I would like your thoughts on Sound Blaster. I think I should have realized that he was going to be Soundwave's uglier brother or whatever um, <laughs> earlier. But RC does kind of like lampshade that for us when we get to him of like, does he know he looks exactly like Soundwave? <laughs> I did like that they do have this sort of in-universe justification for why there's a Soundwave recolor running around. And yeah, hey, when they do shit like that, it's very helpful for me, honestly, as clunky as the dialogue delivering that information can be. And would you believe, Kristen, that Sound Blaster has been a character since, I want to say, 1987, I think. Good for him. (laughs) He also has a bird. He does. He has Buzzsaw because it's gold. I assume that's Buzzsaw anyway. It better not be. (laughs) Anyway, so they're going to his black market here. 
And they had to bring the last of... He has the, his own dome. The Blaster Dome, of course. The Blaster Master uh-huh. Dome. He has Thunderdome, mm-hmm. Kristen. Yeah. And Kristen, RC is just wondering, can't we just get beyond Thunderdome? <laughs> I tried to make that joke, but I couldn't remember the name of the thing. <laughs> And RC also is not terribly happy about both the Thunderdome joke and the fact that they needed to bring the rest of the Autobot Energon here. But uh, as they watch... they really didn't have much. She's carrying it all herself. (laughs) We see as well the dark-colored impactors that were hanging out with Bumblebee last episode, I guess, are just Sound Blaster goons because they are guarding the Thunderdome and beat the fuck out of some Transformer who doesn't have anything to offer to enter this black market. We get to see that he doesn't seem like he's a very good guy who runs an honest organization. (laughs) Who would have guessed? Who knew? So yeah, they are scanned for weapons and then let in. You have in your notes that Cog is basically a living weapon, but you know. (laughs) Well, we get to that later. It occurs to like literally Cog's, the type of toy that he was when he came out was referred to as something called a weaponizer, as in he turns into a bunch of weapons. I may have made this explanation before. Yes, I do remember you mentioning uh, that Cog is just a weapon man because I wasn't like super confused when he just kind of piggybacks onto RC later and is a gun or like two guns. I'm not sure why the weapon scan would not reveal this, but I'm not going to ask any of these questions. So it's time to go to the Sea of Rust, Kristen. So I don't like the fact we see what I labeled as some laser beaks poking at (laughs) the bones question mark. Of a dead transformer. I don't. We don't need vulture imagery to think this is a desert, Kristen. No, it it looks sandy and shit. I I guess rust. I don't know. I was really not impressed by this environment, and I think they wanted me to be. I wasn't either. It it seemed a lot like the the glowing sea in Fallout Four, which also was similarly like, oh, this is a big important area, and I was like, I don't. This is fucking green as shit, and I don't like it. Like okay, whatever. So I, I guess they just kind of like psych themselves up for a second out on the fringes and then they're like all right let's just drive through it (laughs) and Kristen, we got another new lady robot here who we referred to earlier is moon racer who is british and also just a slightly green tinted chromia that's the only reason i knew she wasn't chromia is because she was british when chromia's blue is kind of like right on that line of teal so it makes it extra confusing we get a weird yeah robot versus nature sequence here robot versus robot nature um (laughs) where first jetfire is like dodging weird scary red lightning and then he's saying like guys don't get hit by the lightning and they're like thanks (laughs) (laughs) hound goes now you tell us like Uh he refers to it as i want to say like electromagnetic charges and not lightning bolts. Lightning now, bolts. this might be due to the fact that there is not normal rain on Cybertron. They're calling it something different. Whatever. I just found it weird. This is not calling it lightning bolts. Jetfire also fires a bunch of missiles, which distract the lightning somehow. Duh. Alita is watching all of this play out from the arc. She's got, uh, I guess, hacked into one of the laser beaks or something that's following them. <laughs> one of them is a family friend. I wonder if it's Teletrain and it's just she's got a sky spy up there. They don't say anything about it. They do not. So. We do get some bad news. This is kind of when, um, as a series of things going to shit happens, it kind of starts here. Yeah, Ironhide's like, hey, Alita, we got a 3, 5, 12, a lot of Autobot outposts are going down. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Alita has a little look where she just like, kind of like, hmm, looking at 
Jetfire as if it's his fault, potentially, that all this is happening. Which, who knows, but... Alita's gonna fucking kill a nice Decepticon before the end of this. We then cut to Shockwave, who is just letting us know, hey, we got about, like, a 85% infection rate at this point, which means that the Alpha Trium protocols are dead and buried, my man, just whenever we get to them. I have another question about this plan. Yes, Kristen. Is the end goal to, like, shut down Bumblebee? They don't know that the protocols went to Bumblebee. So, I don't understand. They think they're hanging out in, like, an information center somewhere, I'm guessing. Oh, okay, because my other guess was going to be like, okay, theoretically, do they think, all right, they went to a different Autobot, therefore we will shut down Autobot systems, but Bumblebee's not an Autobot! No, so, I mean, it remains to be seen, maybe this will start infecting Transformers as well? I don't know. We do have, Kristen, a special appearance by... Uh, a red boy, actually, here. A, a little, a guy who's just out at some outpost. Why was Cliffjumper not important enough to be in this series? Because he's not important. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're pretty much exactly right. Because we cut back to the arc here where Cliffjumper is going. We got it, Buzz. Got it, Buzz. Stop, boot. <laughs> not boot. And Leah's like, oh geez. So first, what she does, I love the logic here. She's like, okay, any outpost that is still working, tell all the Autobots to come to the Ark. We gotta get flying. Wheeljack, we gotta get flying, like, immediately. And then she's like, okay, hey, Optimus. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, he's not answering. Probably should have called him sooner. She called everyone else before Optimus, that's right. Now, technically, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, potentially, but you might also want to let your leader know, hey, some fucked up shit is going on. Yeah, maybe give them a hint. The Decepticons could potentially be looking to fuck your shit up majorly because now here's the other thing. Very soon, if not at this point, the Ark isn't hidden anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. And we got to have an action scene with a tornado first, Kristen, because rust tornadoes, I feel like they had some sort of different name. There's a bunch of cyclones <laughs> that are like uh, mahogany red and Jetfire's like, no, no, it's okay. I know how to get around these. And all it requires is just... Like, spreading your legs a bit and planting your feet (laughs) and just hoping that it doesn't pick you up. Prowl catches wind (laughs) and flies away like a kite. Nobody told Prowl to close his door wings. (laughs) His legs weren't far enough spread. (laughs) And the action scene here is Jetfire going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, got him! They they watch, they do watch him for a while of like, without saying anything like, oh, well, there goes Prowl. (laughs) And Jetfire zooms off and picks up Prowl and we get the uh, Decepticon saving an Autobot. Whoa, kind of type moment. Really sick of this stuff being touched on over and over and over and over again. Anyway, so this is how we know that they did put the brain bomb into Jetfire because Prowl apparently has the remote for it that was, I don't know, in his fucking pocket or something. Maybe the issue was Jetfire was going to worry that if he got flung out of there, he's going to fall on top of the switch that exploded his brain. Going to explode his head, yeah. I don't understand the exchange here. Can you explain to me, please? The way my perception of this is Prowl has the brain exploder clicker and attempts to give it to Jetfire as like, hey, you saved me. I trust you. Take this. And Jetfire goes, no, you might still need to use it, which I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, I, like, I understand the sentiment of being like, we're still on this mission, just hold on to it. You know, me doing one thing doesn't need to be a thing that, like, proves my loyalty. 
but it's a very weird exchange that I didn't understand at all. <laughs> and we don't have time to dwell on it because we're going back here. We're already done. The Bumblebee crew are going to meet Sound Blaster, who, as stated, is a black recolor of Soundwave, who, Kristen, uh, the released toy of Sound Blaster had enough space for two cassettes, which was <laughs> then used on basically every re-release of Soundwave moving forward. I guess so you could fit your laser begin your, um, oh no, uh, ravage in there. There you go. You know what I thought of first? Prowl! <laughs> RC brings this up, this brings up this fact here, like, hey, wow, he really does look like Soundwave, and Bumblebee goes, don't mention that to him, please. Apparently he has, uh, yeah, some hurt feelings over being one of Shockwave's experiments. Uh, he was a clone of Soundwave and is pretty butthurt about it. I would ask... Why do they need to clone Soundwave? I don't know if it's maybe a loyalty thing. I mean, Shockwave just likes to have fun, Joe. <laughs> I thought that was obvious. He was bored one day and he grabbed Soundwave by the shoulders and threw him into this chamber to clone him without even telling him, probably. Hey, Soundwave, what's that over there? What? Push! And it just so happened that Laserbeak was in his chest, so that's also how we get Buzzsaw. That's how Buzzsaw was born. Wow, does that make Sound Blaster his dad? He's a daddy. Wow. Wow. Or is Shockwave his dad? Is Shockwave his grandpa? I don't know. All I know is that the cassettes are my kids. That I feel very confident about. Kristen Bumblebee is not a very good actor here. He is fucking not. And Joe, again, it's one of those things where I'm like, is he doing this on purpose? (laughs) He has to be on purpose, right? Like, I don't know to what end, but... Sound Blaster is almost immediately like, hey, you brought friends. I thought you... Worked alone. And Bumblebee's like, hi. <laughs> Bring it some apprentices, dude. Usually, usually yes. Um, these are my interns. And like, it. well, I was going to say it doesn't seem weird to him that these are just interns with Autobot badges. But we find that Sound Blaster pretty much knew immediately what was going to happen here. And mm-hmm. he just doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, sure, I believe you. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go to the Energon room, drop off the Energon, whatever, you know. To receiving. They go down some kind of male chute, I assume. <laughs> they go down Princess Peach's secret slide. Yeah! And I also missed that Sound Blaster blows up some dude who wants to see him with a shoulder cannon. I guess to tell you that he's bad news, even though we've gotten plenty of dialogue telling us that he is bad news. Yep, I, and they gloss over it pretty quickly, too. I expected him to at least, like, turn back then and be like, <laughs> sorry for the interruption, unsatisfied customers. But I guess that's why I don't write this series. <laughs> we finally get back to the Mirage team. Remember them? Huh? What? Unfortunately, I guess his friends forgot about him, too, because Mirage is tired and falls over. Um, <laughs> the space bridge is still on, and I don't think it needs to be, Joe. I forget if I forget who it is. It might be Ratchet who's just like, man, he nearly burned out his spark doing this. Like, shouldn't you have been, like, monitoring him or something to make sure that something like that didn't happen? They just assumed he would be able to do it indefinitely after being told directly that he probably wouldn't be able to do it at all. Some Seekers do a U-turn in the sky. <laughs> They're just like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm they, sorry, what's going on over here? They turn back around and it's time to cut away from that because this is, I just realized this is the sequence of like, boom, 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 boom. It goes to shit for basically all of the teams here. <laughs> nice plan, asshole. Nice plan, asshole. We cut back to the arc here. The virus has finally reached it as all of the power starts shutting down. And I noted here, Kristen, that as Alita is trying to call Wheeljack to figure out what the fuck's going on here what they can do a console that she is standing in front of blows up like it's star trek and it knocks her over yeah i 
<laughs> did briefly think to myself, what kind of virus makes computers blow up? <laughs> um, but my brain did go over that pretty quickly. We got to Starscream. That's the important thing. He doesn't really do anything at all in this episode, but be like, hey, guess what? He gets the, the shine stolen from him because he starts off be, being like, well, Megatron, my Seekers found the Autobots near a space bridge. And Megatron's like, we've seen Autobots near that space bridge. That's not really that new. Well, he's kind of, he, he does have a little bit of a like, why the fuck are they hanging out over there so much? That is interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, Shockwave is like, bing, 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 found the Ark. <laughs> He calls, he calls, he uses a Star Trek term for this too, a fucking Constitution class ship or something like that for this. And we found a big basket full of dicks. And immediately Megatron's like, hmm, a basket full of dicks. That must be where the Autobots are. Again, just a little bit. You sound like Vegeta when you do the Megatron voice sometimes. He's definitely not Vegeta. No, it's just fun though for me. And I did write here that, yes, you can't help but think that Starscream is just in his mind, like, look at this motherfucker. I can't believe he did this to me. If you just gave me, like, a couple more minutes, I would have found it, too. Megatron orders all Decepticons be gathered, Kristen, because it's time for a siege! Maybe. That I love, um, because part of my brain was like, oh, we found the Ark? Okay, I, Megatron, will go down there personally and just clean up. But instead, he's like, literally grab anyone that can still fucking walk. We are all going. <laughs> and we've seen how big his army is. Time to revel in this victory, baby. Get all the Seekers. Uh-huh. Get all the recolored barricades. A bunch of refractors. We got to the Bumblebee crew here. They got the the star for Princess Peach's secret slide here as they go into... They beat the penguin in the race. <laughs> as they get to the Energon storage here, and the impactor that's with them is just kind of like, eh, fucking throw it anywhere, dude. You know, anywhere. that's fine. Uh-huh. But Kristen, as it turns out, we're not here to make a deposit. We're actually here to make a withdrawal. So Cog jumps onto RC's shoulders for them to get ready to fight. They they do have a brief exchange of like, is that going to be enough energon? I don't know how much they're referring to because Bumblebee (laughs) manages to waddle over and scoop up two big rocks out of a huge pile. (laughs) He's got like two watermelon-sized energon rocks. And I assumed he meant like, is all of this energon enough? And she's like, definitely. But no, um, and they turn around, it turns out there are other guards there. Weird. Uh, yeah, Sound Blaster knew what was happening all along as we see presumably Buzzsaw flying around. And Sound Blaster's like, you think you're the only one with information networks, dude? You kidding me? <laughs> He's like, uh, no, I will be taking those two Autobots off your hands. Thank you very much. And that plane goes to shit. And now, Kristen, we cut away to the weirdest of things going to shit here as we are back at the Sea of Rust. And they are just standing over a cliffside here where Moonracer is just like, yep, yep, that's the Allspark down there. I can smell it. We better get down there and grab it before it moves, which again, I don't know how it would, but uh, we got to get down there and grab it. Before it sprouts legs and runs away. (laughs) Um, So we get some far off, not very impressive animation of all of them sliding down like this canyon face. Kristen, why didn't they just send Jetfire down there? Because he can fly. I have a counter question for you, but let's keep going with the scene first. Okay. Optimus has a bad feeling about this. He gets uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi once again, fucking Alderaan blowing up. And Uh he's like, the Matrix is telling me that something, some fucky shit's going on here, dude. He can just say he has the heebie-jeebies. He doesn't have to make it a weird soul thing. And Kristen, uh, zombies? Yeah, so, um, what appear to be a bunch of robot zombies begin emerging 
from the ground and start to corner them horror movie style. It's like the scene in Toy Story with all of Sid's toys. Yes, except they're not nice. <laughs> Coming up out of the sandbox and shit. We don't know if they're nice or not yet, I guess. Um, they do. One of them grabs Moonracer's arm and I, that thing must have been loose to begin with. <laughs> it pops off real easy. <laughs> that either shows, yes, the strength of the zombies or the frailty of this Lady Transformer's arm. <laughs> Like, was it too much for them to have her accidentally, like, break a nail trying to get away? <laughs> Assholes. And then so someone declares that they are surrounded. And here's my counter question, Joe. Are they surrounded if one of them can fly? <laughs> can they all not grab onto Jetfire and fly away? Or have... I feel like he could solve this problem. So I hope he does in the next episode. Or can he mass shift and become really gigantic like in the cartoon so everybody can run inside his ass? Yeah, everyone just get inside me. I just had a thought that, God, if this doesn't end up to be the case, I'm going to be, again, just very disappointed in this series. My brain just wondered, are there zombies here because of the AllSpark? Maybe. It could be just, like, latently giving off pulses of life. It's just Maybe. kind of, like, animating corpses. Potentially. I wouldn't be surprised because, honestly... If they don't mention where these fucking zombies come from... I'm going to be a little bit angry. They they could have added a line before. Like, that's like, you're right. You're exactly right. If they just kind of, if it just happens and there's zombies and they leave and there's no explanation for it, what the fuck? If they could have put in something like, oh, there's a bunch of weird shit that goes on in the Sea of Rust. I heard corpses can walk around there. Yeah, or even like if someone at the last minute said, okay, yes, we do know the Allspark is here because otherwise these dead people would not be walking around. And if, like, as soon as Optimus touches the Allspark or something, they all, like, fucking die, that's fine. That works. Yeah. Not gonna help Moonracer's arm, but... No. Can't wait to see how they get out of this one. Well, Kristen, that's the end of the fifth episode of Over Cybertron Trilogy Siege here, and... It did not occur to me until we were going through it here just how, like, we get all of these separate Episode 1, The Phantom Menace endings going on at the same time. But it's really, instead of all the endings happening at the same time, it's all of the, uh, oh shit, this is bad thing happening at the same time. Yeah, the rising action. So there's gonna be, to borrow a Bayonetta term, nonstop infinite climaxes next episode. Of course. I think that uh, we're definitely... I don't want to say hitting our stride because I don't care about a lot of the, like, a, a few of the groups. I'm, like, I'm over the Space Bridge crew. I don't really care. Yep. They they serve their purpose. I don't think we need to, like, have any more uh, weirdo drama with them, potentially. <laughs> like They've been hiding in near the Space Bridge from Seekers in about half of these episodes so far. <laughs> Bumblebee's thing. This seems like a weird plot thread to just do now. <laughs> like, maybe last episode yeah. it would have been cool. But, you know, when we've got barely any time left they i feel like very little time is going to be dedicated to how they're going to get away from sound blaster here you know what i am thinking that back to now is uh in the first episode bumblebee um being a dick to wheeljack and being like you know how i don't get caught i don't act like a fucking asshole <laughs> and then he's there in front of um sound blast and he's like uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah i'm here to drop off energon do you want a coffee when I go out? Or... And we find out, yeah, that's why, because Bumblebee can't lie for shit. Uh, yeah, I, again, I always want it to be part of the plan, Joe. It was once, with Ultra Magnus given into the torture as a fake part of the plan, but that's really it. We're like one for five, though, on, in terms of characters doing things that they're just dumb and not 
serving a, a higher plan. I understand that people need to make decisions and things need to happen for a plot to move forward, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Now's the point in the evening where we'll list off all of the fun contact things where you can find us. You can follow us on the Twitter machine at C-A-W-T-A pod. You can follow me at Marina Kazam. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher Radio, on the YouTube even. Leave a rating, give a review, do whatever it is you might feel like including but not limited to reaching out to cwtapod at gmail.com where you can tell us all about how uncomfortable a sea of rust might be. It's coarse and it's rough and it gets everywhere. And would it actually be cool to put a bomb in the brain of a prisoner? <laughs> the answer there I is hope that no. was rhetorical. Yeah. <laughs> also just thinking about like a uh, sea of rust makes me uncomfortable because sometimes man the wrong fabric touches my skin and my irish blood is like no (laughs) well kristen that will be all for episode five of the siege here and i gotta say it next time is the final installment it's the final episode of ntfw fctc1 stsurp and then no more transformers forever oh no it's all gone now it's no longer in the mail (laughs) 